Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you're listening to the Spooky Hour. I'm gonna have to watch that. Was my, uh, yeah, that was my I'm glad you got it. I wasn't sure if that was glad you got I, it. I didn't think I, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I well more so I hope I emulated it properly. I'm tired and probably very out of tune. <laughs> it was perfect and I loved it. Thank you for Thank it. Thank you. Oh, a real friend. You're welcome. Speaking of friends. <laughs> Hi friends. Hey friends. I was in the middle of a drink there. Of course. Obviously. Welcome back to the spooky hour. It is us. Yep. It's still us. We haven't changed. Uh, honestly, I was, like, we were trying to think of banter, and I'm like, the last probably, like, three or four weeks that I've been back at work has just been, I'm tired. Yeah. Too much And too surprise, much today, I'm tired. <laughs> We've uh, gone back, well, they were going to reevaluate for banning of September to, like, start bringing people back in the office, and then, like, last week, they're like, nah, we're just going to stay home forever, so now I'm home forever. I wish. Some of my job, like, I have to be in the office for, but, like, on those days that I don't have to be in the office, why am I there? (laughs) It's just so dumb. But hopefully COVID goes the fuck away soon because it's fall and I want to go to a fucking pumpkin patch. I'm going to a pumpkin patch. I don't care. Yeah, we are. I will, I will, it's, I feel like you could socially distance at a pumpkin patch very well. I think it would be really smart for them to sell tickets. Like, you True, go at a yeah. certain time. Like, they can have, like, 10 people go at 4 o'clock, and then so many yeah, people Yeah, that would be 15. cool. But you go you go to the the one near you that's, like, really busy all the time, right? Yeah. I don't want to say the name. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually um, in Markham. Oh, okay. I thought you went to the one near you, because that one's, like, everyone goes to that one. Yeah, I've been and to it a couple And it would probably times. be very crowded. Yeah, it is. And the one that I go to is, like, because it's an apple orchard and pumpkin picking and a winery. It's just fucking packed. Ooh, a winery. Yeah, it's not that great, but it's great. Oh. <laughs> the one we go to, well, actually, in all fairness, we always go late, so that's probably why it's empty. We usually go on, like, October 28th. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always, it's pretty empty. And, like, there's no Fear Fest this year. There's oh, no, yeah. like, haunted houses you can go walk through. It just sucks. I don't know what they're doing up in Niagara. Like, I know some of the attractions are open in Niagara, but I don't think, I don't think that any of the haunted houses would yeah. be yet. That's such a bummer. Everything's awful. We're still going to do our best to have a Halloween. We were actually discussing our plans for Spooktober. Oh my god, I fucking love that. Spooktober. <laughs> we have we have plans, guys. They're coming. Yes, we do. Don't worry. Get ready for it. Start a countdown right now with us. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, if you haven't had a countdown going already, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Just go. <laughs> Just go. Just go, okay? Oh my god, I know what we could talk about. Pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> great That's fucking... <laughs> danielle hates them i but she's a good supportive friend that was a lot of sarcastic come out of there for a second <laughs> no this is literally the most joy i felt all year was lining up in that starbucks drive-thru and receiving my pumpkin spice latte how many of you have so far? just the one so far because i keep waking up too late to go no, that's fair i might grab one uh later today though because why the fuck not i want to i want a cold brew today mm, yeah i'm feeling that and they have I that new that apple drink my... that you showed Yeah, me. apple oat something. Mm, here for it. I they love They got oats. oat milk now. Yep. So you... Have you had oat milk? Uh, yeah, I, did. I used to drink it when I was a kid. I've recently switched to oat milk from almond for my coffee. Highly recommend if you're uh, anti-dairy like I am. Yeah, it's pretty good. See, I love almond milk. I'm very picky. So... Or soy. This is how bored we are, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't noticed. 
This week is tell us your favorite milk. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just uh, jump into it? I don't think we have much to talk about. I think we should. Yeah, Yeah, we don't have lives to talk about. (laughs) COVID sucks. Police departments suck. You guys don't suck, though. You guys very much don't suck. No. No, you don't. You guys have been awesome again. It's the last couple weeks have been bananas, and we're trying to wrap around our heads around like what we did to deserve that yeah. like we're like what episode was it what post was it what happened whatever we did thank you for for liking it and being our friends and sticking with friends. us <laughs> yeah literally our only friends um but yeah i'm gonna jump into mine this week i am let's gonna, do it let's do it i am gonna talk about the poltergeist curse Ooh. yeah so it is about the movie like the poltergeist movie Mm-hmm. Um, it is supposed to be cursed, um, because like the movie itself. Yep, yeah, the movie itself. Like not watch, not like watching the movie, but like that. That's not like the set. ring. <laughs> no, it's not like the ring. And no one's gonna come out of your TV. I promise. Damn. <laughs> um, but all the shit that's happened throughout, like there's three of them, so the trilogy. Um, so it happened. There's shit that happened throughout those three movies, and so on. And it all happened to the people involved in making this movie. So whether it was one of the actors, cast members, directors, I'll get into it. And it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's, I like talking about this kind of stuff because there are deaths involved. But oh. a lot of them are, there's, it's explained on how they died. Like it's like there's health reasons behind it. But the fact that so many people that were in this movie and the next three movies died, it's really weird. All in like the same time period. Not in the same time period, but it's okay. all very weird. I think it's wow. I think it's weird because like if you think about a, like a trilogy movie, yeah, one or two people are eventually gonna obviously you're gonna fucking die. Yeah, but there are very young deaths in this one, so we'll get Interesting. into it. Yeah. So if you have you seen the Poltergeist movie? No. Oh. <laughs> I my gosh have this thing with old movies where I just can't take them seriously because they're so bad. <laughs> Poltergeist is one of the best horror movies to ever exist. I just I just fight me. It I'll, I'll watch it if you want me to. I just have a really hard time with old movies it's like anything old. made in like the eighties and stuff. No. Yes, it is. This was eighty two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty old. Danielle. Yeah. we're in two thousand and twenty. <laughs> like when I watched it when I was a kid, so it was hella creepy for me. Maybe that's maybe that was my problem. I've never watched any of these movies like while I was young. I've watched them all as I'm older and I've been spoiled. So the movies I did watch when I was young were like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings where like the CGI is fairly on point. Yeah. So like I go from that to like the shitty 80s like effects and I'm like this is garbage. <laughs> See like it's, it's purely like production value for me <laughs> and whatever. I'm not a movie buff. Don't hate me. <laughs> don't, don't at me. Um, I say it all the time. I don't watch movies, okay? <laughs> I freaking love Polter. I love the older movies. And I think, well, I grew up on them. So my mom used to work nights and my dad, like my mom would be like, don't let them watch scary movies. And then my mom would leave. And my dad would be like, okay, do you want to watch Halloween? Let's watch scary movies. Poltergeist, 13 <laughs> Ghosts. What do we want to watch? It. Let's, let's that do That sounds something. like your dad. Yeah. So this is, I grew up on these movies. So I love them and I'm making you watch them. All of them. Deal. Okay. I can't promise I'll like them, but I'll try. You're going to laugh. I just don't like movies in general. I'm just really... I don't watch things very often. But anything that involves murder and true crime, she's there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And for some reason, Twilight. I don't know. (laughs) Just Twilight. (laughs) Um, So I'll give you some background on the movie because someone didn't see it. I rolls forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Poltergeist came out in 1982. So it's a horror movie written and produced by Steven Spielberg. Um, 
again for people who haven't seen the movie i'm gonna go into a spiel you're welcome holly um it's about thank you yeah (laughs) it's about a family with three kids and they experience some like weird poltergeist activity like utensils would bend and i'm like i'm pretty sure like a glass of milk or something like explodes at one point um their tv ends up turning on and it's like the old school tv where it's all just white a white and like black dotted screen so it's like those that creepy screen um so the tv ends up turning on and you end up seeing like a white hand in the tv and that's like the famous line of they're here is from uh, so which turns she's like they're here yeah that's creepy. yeah so the youngest daughter carol ann ends up being pulled into another dimension in her closet um so the family ends up hearing her through like the tv on that station like they can hear her voice um so the family finds out that the town they live in and like the house um they live in is built on a cemetery and oh. their house has like a lot of spirits in it. it's more than one um and they just aren't at rest so they end up getting carol ann back from this portal and then they like move the fuck out um <laughs> it's just it's a good good movie but that's like basically i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you guys the whole details of the movie but that's yeah. basically what happens um so like at one point i remember the son was like in the bed but he ends up getting dragged under the bed by this toyed clown like this doll oh. and it ruined my childhood that scene it freaked me the fuck out yeah i would imagine yeah. no fuck clowns is that why so many people are scared of clowns I between th- like that and it i was gonna say an it yeah probably yeah probably so like i said apparently there's a curse associated with these movies now this isn't like a curse like oh i'm gonna stub my toe it's said to be a death curse mm. and a lot of the deaths were cast members so it started with a scene where diane so she was played by joe beth williams uh she falls into the pool and in the pool there's like skeletons so they like rise up from the pool and they're like all over her Mm. and it's gross and creepy um (laughs) so now apparently those were actually real skeletons oh yeah at the time of filming the cast didn't know this but it said that it was cheaper to use real skeletons than fake ones apparently what the fuck yep so joe beth was interviewed years later and in in the interview she's quoted saying i quote i assumed they were not real skeletons i assumed that they were prop skeletons made out of plastic or rubber i found out as did the crew that they were using real skeletons because it's far too expensive to make fake skeletons out of rubber so they used wow. real skeletons on the set apparently but like how do you how do you get that i don't know like where do you where do you that doesn't seem entirely legal yeah and i don't think that seems i don't think spielberg like ever confirmed this but she did say they were real weird yeah Ooh. so that's apparently like that that's where people kind of think where this whole curse thing started that them using real skeletons are the yeah cursed yeah i i'd believe that at least one of those people had to be pissed about it like one of the dead people (laughs) like just throw me in a muddy pool and have me like float there thanks that's fine gross um so now during the filming of the second poltergeist movie um it's poltergeist 2 the other side will sampson he played shaman taylor in the movie um he wasn't too thrilled to hear that the real skeletons were used in the first film um (laughs) so he offered to perform an exorcism on set um he did it alone at night no one was like knows what happened during this exorcism because he was alone like he did it alone um Mm -hmm. apparently the cast and crew felt like relieved and like at ease when they returned to the set the following day so i guess it helped it worked yeah but he he did perform it um so into just going into some of the cast members who unfortunately were subject to this and i quote death curse um the first one is dominique dune um she played dana in the first movie 
Um, her character was the eldest daughter. So Dominique actually died shortly after the release of the first movie. Um, Dominique was born in California. Her parents were extremely well off. Her mom was like an heiress to some ranch. And her dad was a writer, producer, actor. Um, Dominique's first TV role was Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker in 1979. And she ended up being in fame and heart to heart and like a lot of TV shows in the 80s. Her first movie was Poltergeist, though. So her first feature film was Poltergeist. And like I said, she was cast as Dana, um, the eldest daughter. At the time, the, um, at the time of filming this movie, she was dating John Thomas Sweeney. He was a sous chef. Their relationship moved pretty quickly and they ended up living together after only a few weeks of dating. Oh, Jesus. I know. Big mistake. Right? John was a complete and utter douchebag. He was jealous. Just surprised. Yeah, right? <laughs> jealous, possessive, and he physically abused Dominique. He's just a big old asshole. Um, they would break up off and on, but in late September of 1982, so this was about three months after the film was released, I think it was released in June, um, Dominique and John had a huge argument. John had thrown Dominique on the ground and was basically trying to like strangle her. They had a friend living with them, and that friend heard, like, the shitstorm and ran into the room <laughs> and found that happening. Um, Dominique said John was trying to kill her, but John denied it and just told her to, like, go back to bed, like, come back to bed, whatever. Like, I didn't do anything. It's fine. Um, Dominique, Casual. Right? Dominique ended up sneaking out of the bathroom window and got in her car and drove to her mom's house. This was the end of their relationship. She broke it off. He moved out and she changed all the locks in the house and she ended up moving back in. Uh, a few weeks later, <laughs> right? Um, a few weeks later on October 30th, 1982, Dominique was at her home um, rehearsing for a miniseries TV show with um, a guy named David Packer. Uh, John showed up to the house wanting to talk to Dominique and basically was begging, um, begging her to like get back with him and stuff. And so she agreed to talk to him on the front porch, but he ended up attacking her in the driveway. He oh, geez. Yeah, he strangled her for four to six minutes. The guy inside, David, heard all the commotion and went outside to find John kneeling over Dominique. David called the cops, and when the cops showed up, John said, I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself. He was arrested. Dominique was transported to the hospital in Los Angeles, and she was placed on life support. Uh, unfortunately, she never regained consciousness. She was considered brain dead, and she was taken off life support on November 4th, 1982. Wow. She, she was only 22 years old. John was charged with voluntarily, voluntary manslaughter and was sentenced to six years in prison. What? Six fucking years for killing her. Killing her. Yep. That's a whole other topic, and I'm not going to get into it, but what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry. Yeah. How's that manslaughter? Yeah. No idea. No fucking idea. I didn't go too much into the trial. I just wanted to focus on yeah, why she Yeah, this is passed. about the spooky. Yeah, this is about the spooky. <laughs> but grr. That's agitating. It's, okay, it's sorry. Very fucking annoying. So that was the first death. Um, Julian Beck, he played in the second Poltergeist movie. His character was Kane, so Kane was like an evil spirit. Um, mm -hmm. When Julian took this role, he was or, like already battling stomach cancer. Julian died on September 14th, 1985 at 60 years old from stomach cancer. Uh, he died six months before Poltergeist was released. Uh, he Obviously, Aww. his death wasn't un unexpected. He knew about his cancer diagnosis. Yeah. But it's still another actor in the film who passed away. 
Mm-hmm. So, so the interesting thing about this is like it's not necessarily like spooky deaths, yeah. but just the fact that there's so many deaths. Yeah, of- and such so far like strange ones. Yeah. Like, well, not cancer is not necessarily strange, but like being murdered is is fairly strange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, Will Sampson, so the gentleman who did the exorcism on set. Um, Will was a Native American painter, actor, and also a rodeo performer. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Will also, um, he was in um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a hilarious movie, but Holly's not going to know it, so I'm not going to talk about it. It was one of my dad's favorites, though. It's a good movie. So I know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Will played um, Taylor in The Poltergeist 2. His character was the good spirit. Um, Will was diagnosed with, oh, I should have looked this word up um scleroderma oh a, oh that's what uh chichi devane just just passed yeah, away from yeah it's um, a degenerative condition that affects your heart lungs and skin yeah, yeah. so he, it's like an autoimmune kind of thing yeah, right yeah something yeah. like that yeah um so he underwent a heart and lung transplant unfortunately he died six weeks after surgery which oh, was wow. almost one year after poltergeist 2 came out his death was ruled, and I quote, severe preoperative malnutrition and postoperative kidney failure and fungal infection. He was only 53. Oh. See, that's another, like, strange one. Like, not unnatural necessarily, yeah. but very strange. Very strange. Like, it's like a lot of people on this set are getting sick or yeah. being killed. Yeah. yeah. The next death I want to talk about is of Heather O'Rourke. This one's really sad, you guys, so get ready, because I was, like, tearing up writing this. It's really fucking sad. Um, so, oh, I think I know this one. Yeah. Heather was born in 1975 in San Diego. The Poltergeist movie was her first acting gig. Steven Spielberg was at a restaurant and had saw Heather and her, and her mom eating lunch. Steven reached out to them during their lunch and, like, just offered her the movie role. Was like, here. I want you wow. I want you to be my movie. Yeah. He said he um was looking for like a like kind of like he was looking for like an angelic four year old for his movie. Okay. And she kinda like fit that role when he saw I wonder her. if he like he cursed them all. Maybe. God damn it, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> um so she apparently like beat out Drew Barrymore for this role, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, is that why Drew Barrymore ended up in E. T. or whatever? Yeah, maybe. Wait, that was a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Yeah, it was. Yes. Okay. You're right. Okay. (laughs) I'm a movie buff, you guys. (laughs) So Heather played Carol Ann, the youngest daughter. So she's the one who says they're here. Um, Mm. So Heather was actually in all three Poltergeist movies. And with the first Poltergeist movie, she ended up um, starring in a lot of TV shows like Webster, the new Leave It to Beaver, Our House, and also was on Happy Days. Um, in the early months of 1987, Heather was diagnosed with having Crohn's disease after suffering from flu-like symptoms. She was taken to the hospital many times where they just gave her meds for the flu. They're like, yeah, misdiagnosis. Here's some fucking meds. Yeah. (laughs) Um, eventually they did x-rays and they said her intestines were inflamed. And so they ruled it Crohn's disease. Um, and she was given a core or a cortisone injection to help treat the disease while she was working on the third installment of Poltergeist. Um, so her mom said this cortisone treatment made her cheeks swell and it made her like Heather really self-conscious about it. So I'm pretty sure they would have given her prednisone because that medication is given to people with, um, inflammation and stuff like that and with Crohn's disease. Um, and it does make their cheeks swell. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. My sister was so, on like, it. they gave her the wrong drug? No, no. It's just, it's just a, it's um, a side effect of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. My sister has the same disease, and she was on it, and it made her cheeks all, all swelly. Oh. She had a little chipmunk for a while. It was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Okay. Um, on January 31st, 1988, Heather collapsed in her home. She was having more flu-like symptoms again. Um, she was rushed to the nearest hospital, but on the way, she suffer- suffered from cardiac arrest, but the paramedics wow. were able to revive her. Um, Heather was flown to the Children's Hospital in San Diego, where they discovered she had an intestinal, intestinal stenosis. So she didn't have the fucking flu, let me tell you. Um, yeah. Her her intestinal tract was narrowing, and it was causing, it caused like an obstruction. Wow. So with the obstruction, she, that this was making, it was killing her. It being, because, so. So was it actually Crohn's too? Um, or is it the. I see Crohn's is ulcers in the bowels and like the intestines. Um, so it could be part of it, but I'm pretty sure this, the intestinal stenosis, um, I believe it's, um, like it's like a thing all on its own. Like it could be, so I'm not sure if it could be associated with Crohn's, but her death wasn't ruled, um, as part of Crohn's. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, so her again her track was narrowing and it caused an obstruction an obstruction so they rushed her into surgery but unfortunately heather had another heart attack and they weren't able to revive her that time she was 12 wow her death was ruled congenital stenosis of the intestines um complicated by septic shock so because of her misdiagnosis with the flu eight million times um that obstruction ended up going toxic in her body and it went into her bloodstream and, and that killed her wow. it killed her yeah so again like not necessarily unnatural but friggin wild yeah. and her and heather died before the release of the third poltergeist what she's in she's in that movie. wow yeah i feel like this would be less weird if they were just like you know got hit by a car or like yeah. you know what i mean like these are just this is not common <laughs> there is another one that i forgot to write down but i was reading about it um someone that was in the film they ended up being um he was older and he ended up his death was someone broke into his home and he was killed by an ex-convict that was trying to rob him wow i'm gonna have to i'll have to look up the name i totally forgot to add that one in um but yeah so that that one's associated as well um so we have zelda rubenstein um she played tanga barons in all three movies as well as the spin-off tv series of poltergeist um she played like a medium that was her role um she died in 2010 from natural causes but she was only 76 um we have brian gibson he was the film director for poltergeist 2 he died of ewing sarcoma in 2004 he was 59 um richard lawson he played ryan in the first poltergeist movie richard was on u.s air flight 405 when it crashed into flushing bay in 1992 there was 51 passengers on board 27 27 of them died richard survived oh richard married tina knowles in 2015 yes beyonce's oh. mom oh yep. wild yeah isn't that crazy sorry that was really exciting we love miss tina yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i should have recognized the name i was like that name sounds familiar but i couldn't place it yeah so he was in the that's wild the i had no idea guys. yep yep um, in 2015, the Poltergeist movie got a reboot. Um, so now none of the actors or actresses have had any de- death curse placed on them. Like, they're all still alive and kicking. 
Um, but Gil Keen, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong or her last name wrong, and I apologize. Um, but the director said there was some paranormal shit happening while filming, so lights would blow out the moment you turn them on. Like you know, they're big like studio lights. Mm-hmm. They'd go and plug them in and turn them on. They just blow out all of them. That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they used aerial drone photography as well, and they were, like, in a field, but when they tried to get, like, the GPS working, the GPS wouldn't connect. Like, you couldn't get the GPS location for this field. Like, it wouldn't work. So the drone couldn't fly. So they had to, like, move 10 feet just to be able to launch this drone. <laughs> so it was, wow. like, weird stuff that happened like that, but no one has died yet, so maybe the curse is done. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the apparent poltergeist death curse. I didn't know any of that, so that's pretty cool. There's a lot of, uh, like, allegedly cursed movies and TV sets and stuff like that. They're on my list. That's a cool... Yeah, that's a cool thing to do. I like that. And it's... the Heather... Heather's death is really sad. That's really sad, especially because she was so, so young. 12 years old. And like I said, something that's, like, not incredibly common, too. Mm -hmm. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So... But, yeah, that's a... That's a thing. And, uh... I don't know. Go watch... Go go watch (laughs) Poltergeist. Just go do it at holly yeah literally just at holly <laughs> i just don't watch movies okay i'm sorry except all twilight. right except twilight fuck me man <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh i guess that means it's my turn it is your turn um so i felt like being creepy again so we have another gross story this week Fantastic. uh i mean i feel like at this point if you've made it through all of the other gross ones i'm not going to put in a trigger warning here <laughs> so trigger warning so t- <laughs> Today, I'm going to tell you about Dennis Nilsson. Uh, so, Dennis was born on November 23rd, 1945 in Aberdeenshire, which is in Scotland. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, he didn't commit his crimes in Scotland. He later moved to uh, London. Okay. But there's, um, I actually read a Scottish uh, newspaper article, article about him. Uh, people in Scotland like to pretend that he's not from there because his crimes were so bad. Like, a lot of people don't know that he's Scottish. And, like, over time, his accent became more English Mm -hmm. because he lived in England for, like, forever. So, like, people are like, no, he's not from here. We don't know him. Yeah. Like, like, they just, like, pretend he doesn't exist. He's, like, the black sheep of the family. They're like, nope. Yeah, he's the only, like, known killer from this area and all this. Like, it's a crime-free, like, there's probably just sheep and shit. Um, So they just, yeah, pretend he never existed it's kind of funny that's amazing um, and then this the one same. article was like no he definitely was from here you guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's from scotland um there's very few details about his childhood but the details we do have are your classic signs of a killer in the making uh Dennis's father was an alcoholic and he was often away from home eventually he left for what would be the last time he abandoned his family and they were forced to move in with Dennis's grandparents because uh, his mother didn't work because that was just like not the thing that they did at the time okay um he immediately bonded with his grandfather as a new father figure in his life and the two grew very close um unfortunately not long after they moved in Dennis's grandfather passed away Dennis was only five years old and the loss in itself was traumatic, but, uh, so that's like two father figures gone from his life now. Yeah, that's a lot, uh, but to make five. Yeah, exactly. He's only five. Um, but to make matters worse, his mother handled the death very, very poorly. So the morgue released the grandfather's body back to the family and they placed him in a room and closed the door for some reason. I don't know if this was like common in the 1940s to like bring your bodies home and like put them in bed, but that's what Not they did. Not a fucking puppet. Yeah, that's what they did. Um, so 
he was laying in a room in the bed and she told Dennis that his grandfather was just sleeping and that he should go check on him. What the fuck? Um, so that's obviously very fucked up and uh, he was very obviously not sleeping. Um, so Dennis is later quoted in author Brian Master's book called Killing for Company as saying, quote, my trouble started there. It blighted my personality permanently. And I can't say I blame him. Yeah, no. That's fucked up. That's so fucked up. <laughs> what the hell? So not long after this, uh, Dennis had another brush with death. Uh, when he was eight years old, he had a near drowning. I couldn't find out. Uh, like how he ended up drowning like i don't know if he was in like a river or something he was probably apparently thank you wow (laughs) (laughs) just help me out danielle's sassy tonight So, yeah, I don't know where he was when this happened, but another much older boy saved his life. Um, Unfortunately, this older boy had a twisted interest in Dennis. Um, It's never blatantly said in the article, but it's heavily hinted that this boy may have molested Dennis after the drowning or something along those lines. Um, They just kind of said he had a sexual interest in him. So, allegedly, hypothetically, something happened, perhaps. Oh, gosh. So after this, uh, Dennis was so heavily impacted by this incident, he, uh, years later, like as an adult, wrote a 4,000-page autobiography titled Memoirs of a Drowning Boy. Uh, The book was never published, but apparently he attempted to have it published several times. 4,000 pages. 4,000 pages about how he almost drowned. I actually should look into that so I could find out how he drowned. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's like out there somewhere, but yeah. That's crazy. Um, so his uh, his mother remarried and had four more children, with, which left him feeling like kind of an outcast because he was the only, like, one that had that dad, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? They were yeah. all separate from him. And he felt that she paid more attention to them because the father was around and they were more like a family. Um, so he was kind of ostracized a little bit. Um, but other than that, there's not much about his childhood. Um, he worked as a butcher in the army for 11 years. And when he left the army, he began police training in London. Uh, he held a particular interest in visiting the morgue and being present for autopsies, which is a big clue as to where this is going. Um, I was going to say, like, I have interest in that too, but. Yeah, not the same. Know. I Well, at least I fucking hope not the yeah, same. I hope if so you too. start to relate to this, let me know and uh, I'll get we'll get you some you help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so whatever urge he must have felt while viewing these dead bodies drove him to quit his police training and instead become a recruitment interviewer. Um, so you'll notice this a couple times in the story. He sort of, he knows he's fucked up and he tries to stop it, but he can't. Okay. So he knew he was fucked up and having weird thoughts being in the morgue. So he demoted himself to being a recruitment interviewer. So he's kind of um, like, a, he kind of has like a Jekyll and Hyde personality a little bit. Very much so. He's very, he's very weird. We'll get into it. Okay. Um, in 1973, one of his colleagues accused Dennis of taking pictures of him while he slept. Apparently the alleged victim was so distraught that he was hospitalized after confronting Dennis. There were no charges laid and he was never brought in for questioning. That poor guy. Um, He's like, I'm stuck in a hospital and mentally, like, ill yeah, from he, it. Yeah, he, he, he went anything. into shock or something. From from the way uh, the article presents it, it sounds like he went into shock. Wow. So I don't know if, like, Dennis threatened him or, like, what the situation was, but he was hospitalized just from confronting him I, about I it. I feel like that's enough for a bit, like, an investigation, but... Yeah, you think, right? Like, this man's so scared. Yeah. Like, 
1975, Dennis moved in with a man named David Callahan. Uh, it, or Gallahan. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it. It starts with a G and looks like Callahan. Um, <laughs> it was rumored that the two were in a relationship, but David denied these rumors. However, Dennis has always said that he felt he was gay from a very young age. So this is probably where the rumors came from. Uh, the two men lived together for two years before David decided to move out and leave Dennis behind. This led Dennis down a dark spiral and he began drinking and became even more introverted than he was before. Uh, this would be now the third man to to leave Dennis, like the third yeah. man in his life to walk away or disappear on him in some way. See, that's why I would, so, that would make me think that they are in a relationship if he, if he was so distraught. Well, that's it. exactly, yeah. He, um, I actually wrote it and erased it because I don't ever want to like, um, I don't know the proper term. I think the term is gay baiting where you like imply that someone is gay when they're not necessarily gay. And I didn't want to do that, no, but like, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a pretty bad breakup. Yeah. Um, allegedly (laughs) so only 18 months after david left him dennis committed his first murder so this to me was the catalyst of uh his crimes because he had held his shit together for so long he tried for so long to like not give in to his urges and then his quote-unquote partner left him and then that was just it yeah okay so it's said that dennis went through a few different sexual relationships during during these 18 months between the breakup and the murder and he seemed to struggle with them uh the article i used for this uh, on biography.com doesn't blatantly say this but in my opinion based on the reading it sounds as though he had a hard time accepting his homosexuality um, like he always felt guilty after hookups and stuff like that. So I don't know if it was like the one night stand aspect of it or the fact that he wasn't comfortable being out yet. Um, but it was, it was the seventies. So it was a different world back then. Um, if he did feel the need to be closeted, that is why. Okay. Um, on December 29th, 1978, Dennis met with one of his hookups at a local gay bar. The two had been seeing each other for a while. So when Dennis invited him back to his place, the victim thought nothing of it. The next morning, as the man was trying to leave, Dennis strangled him with a tie before drowning him in a bucket of water. He took the body to the bathroom and bathed it. Uh, he then placed it on his bed Um, Later on in the night, he sexually assaulted the body and then spent the night sleeping next to him. That makes Uh, me like, like, takes me back to his dead grandfather lying in bed. Yep. And the fact, you're going to see another pattern. I'm actually going to wait to say this. You're going to see another pattern. Okay. Um, So he finally hid the body under his floorboards for seven whole months before removing it and burning the decaying remains in his backyard. Um, he's later as noted as saying he found the corpse beautiful. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't it smell? Oh, yeah. Like- um, so he um, he liked to keep the bodies to talk to them. Um, I'm going to mention it in a little bit. So he... It was very weird. He's very, very strange. He would keep them alive because he, or not keep them alive. He would keep them there because he thought they were still alive or like he didn't want them to leave essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what he he didn't want them to leave. He said he would talk to them like they were having normal conversations. He like had dinner with them and stuff like that. Like he treated them like they were still there. Very strange guy. So weird. Um, so later on in 1979, another hookup of Dennis's accused him of trying to sang- strangle him during a consensual BDSM session. Um, because of the nature of the complaint, no charges were laid because the cops were like, well, if you're into this shit, then how do we know you didn't want him to strangle you? Which is awful. Um, 
Almost a full year after his first murder, Dennis met his second victim. He was a Canadian tourist named Kenneth Ockton. Um, they met at a pub on December 3rd, 1979. Uh, they went out for a date, uh, did some sightseeing, uh, went out for some drinks, and they ended up back at Dennis's apartment. Again, when the man tried to leave, Dennis strangled him to death with an electrical cable. Oh Just like his first victim, he bathed the corpse and shared the bed with it overnight. He took photos, uh, sexually assaulted it, him, sorry, I shouldn't say it, and stored him also under the floorboards. Uh, he later said that he would take the body out frequently to have conversations, like I said before, as though he was still alive. Um, so he really thought that these bodies were were his friends, I guess. Very so, strange. <laughs> Danielle's face right now. <laughs> I just can't form words. I'm just I'm shocked. Yeah, and um, so you're the the pattern I was mentioning is he he would wait till the men wanted to leave, mm-hmm. and he couldn't handle the fact that a man was leaving him, so he would keep them there quite literally Forever. keep them there yeah um his third victim was martin duffy who was a homeless 16 year old uh, he invited him to spend the night at his apartment on may 13th 1980 uh, he unfortunately suffered the same fate as the first two he was kept in a wardrobe for two weeks before he was placed under the floorboards alongside kenneth um so he kept all of them at the same time uh, his next victim was a prostitute named Billy Sutherland, who was 27. Uh, he, again, shared the same fate as the previous victims. Um, another one of his victims, 24-year-old Malcolm Barlow, followed shortly behind. By the time Malcolm Barlow was killed, Dennis was forced to stuff him under the kitchen sink as he was rapidly running out of storage space under the floorboards. So at this point, I think he has six bodies total in his apartment. Oh, my God. Like, if you're living in an apartment, like, you think people would smell it and complain oh they did we're getting there girl oh, shit. Okay. i mean i would have complained long before this point like he's he sounds like a creepy person i feel like i would know <laughs> <laughs> it's just the vibes just the vibes um by 1981 dennis had killed 12 men in the apartment but only four were identified he had a tendency to prey on homeless men or gay men who didn't really have uh friends and family to report them as missing which gives me major bruce MacArthur vibes yeah, i was gonna say the f- the first guy we ever covered um same sort of thing he he picked his victims intelligently um he knew that most people wouldn't be looking for them so he's he's smart we know he's smart um dennis has claimed that there were more potential victims but that his quote killing trance had snapped and he had had the sense to tell them to run before the urge to kill returned so just like you said there seems to be a very like jekyll and hyde complex yeah um he he explains it as like when he kills he sort of like spaces out of his body like he doesn't know what he's doing yeah um so neighbors in his apartment complex began to complain about the stench coming from his unit he tried to spray and clean the best (laughs) yeah he tried to spray and clean the best he could but the apartment became overrun with flies and the smell of rotting bodies um great he (laughs) decided it was time to get rid of the corpses uh he dismembered them on the kitchen floor with the large knife using his skills as a butcher to like do the job quote properly oh fuck i forgot Um, he was a butcher yeah 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 he was a butcher so he knew what he was doing so he would boil the skulls to remove the flesh placing organs in plastic bags to be tossed out he buried limbs in the garden and in the shed and stuffed torsos into suitcases until he could burn the remains in a bonfire at the end of his garden he burned fires almost every day but no one really thought anything of it despite 
the stink coming from his apartment and his general sketchiness they're like no it's totally normal that he's lighting fires every day yeah, his but his uh apartment smells like dead bodies and now he's lighting fires hmm, must be nothing what a good guy it's really not nice <laughs> outside and he's starting a fire hmm that's fine weirdo fuck man um yeah People i know are so dense i mean I, like i said i would have caught this long before now like he i would have done been new right um in 1982, Dennis moved into a top-floor apartment in North London, which had no garden and no convenient floorboards. Uh, he wanted to stop his killing, and this was his solution. If he had nowhere to hide the bodies, then he would not keep collecting them. Oh, my which, God. That's, uh, that's psychotic. Right? <laughs> like, in his head, I'm sure it makes complete sense, but, like, seeing that... And, like, these are like, these are taken from interviews and stuff. Like, yeah. he... Like I said, he knew what he was doing, and he wanted to well it's not even that he wanted to stop like he's just like he's just weird i don't know how to explain it we'll we'll keep going (laughs) (laughs) it gets worse so obviously this did not work and another three victims were killed in this apartment between 1982 and february of 1983 these victims were identified as john howlett archibald graham allen and stephen sinclair now unable to store the bodies for his enjoyment, he would boil their heads, feet, and hands and dissect the bodies into small pieces that could be flushed down the toilet or disposed of in plastic bags. The flush down the toilet yeah. reminds me of that guy from Oshawa. Yeah, yeah. There was a case uh, in Oshawa, Ontario. If you Google, it should come up. He stuffed bodies in, like, the plumbing yeah um yeah it's wild it's and there was two missing girls and they were missing like a few years apart and i knew once they found the remains of the one girl i'm like i bet you the other girl's in there yeah and the- months later they found like her blood or something i don't think they ever found like no. actual remains they just found dna yep. but yeah look that up i can't remember his name but look it up <laughs> yeah, it's really fucked so one day in february 1983 one of his neighbors called a plumber to investigate a drain blockage um so there were only five tenants in this apartment so they all gathered around to watch this plumber as one does like this is fascinating Uh, yeah literally the the plumber uh pulled out rotting human remains (gasps) in front of all of the tenants um no one pointed fingers no one was immediately like baha it's this creepy guy um so dennis tried to clean out the pipes overnight but he was spotted by another tenant who was suspicious as heck for good reason um he alerted the police of like this suspicious suspicious behavior (laughs) and on february 9th 1983 detective chief inspector jay knocked on dennis's door to question him about the discovery in the pipes Upon entering the apartment, Jay noticed the foul odor. Uh, when he asked what the smell was, Dennis calmly confessed that what they were looking for was stored in bags around the apartment. Uh, the police discovered boils, heads, and limbs scattered throughout the apartment unit. He was arrested immediately. I can't. Uh, I ap- can't. I can't even. Yeah. He, apparently, he was just, like, super chill and was like, yeah, you know, there's bodies everywhere. Just, yeah, you they're everywhere. Me. Now, maybe his next thought was, <laughs> if I go to jail, I can't kill anybody. So that's his next Maybe. Thought. He's weird in that, like, he tries to stop his killing, but he doesn't seem to, like, care also. He kind of is just, like, I think he's, like, dead on the inside a little yeah. bit. It could be, like, an like, he doesn't actually him, too. Yeah, or, like, a release of some sort. He seems to not feel anything. Yeah. He just seems very deadpan. Um, so upon his arrest, he confessed instantly and gave full graphic details about his crimes. He confessed to killing 15 young men and admitted to the attempted murder of seven others, although he could only name four of them. Allegedly, he did not show any remorse, but appeared happy to help the police gather evidence against him. See, that's so so weird. it's 
it's like he wanted to be caught, but like part of him didn't want to be caught. Yeah. Like he he didn't full on like call nine one one on himself, but like when he was caught, he's like, yes, no, please arrest me. This is everything I did. Here's where you could find everything. Like it's kind of like he's almost proud of it. That's one way to look at it too. I didn't think of that. Yeah, he could be proud. Yeah, I don't, he's just strange. I don't quite understand him. <laughs> So after the confession, Dennis was held at Brixton Prison pending trial. He wrote over 50 notebooks of his memories to assist the prosecution and also drew what he referred to as, quote, sad sketches, which detailed his treatment of some of his victims. So he drew his crimes, basically. His trial began on October 24th, 1983. He was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder, even though he admitted to 15. Um... He pleaded not guilty to all charges, citing diminished responsibility due to mental defect. So another weird thing from him, because he confessed and he helped to gather evidence, but he still pled not guilty. So I don't know if that was his lawyers pushing to do that for like a lesser sentence or if he's just that fucked up. But yeah, he pled not guilty. Um Physical evidence included photographs of murder scenes, as well as the cutting board that was used to dissect the victims and the cooking pot used to boil the skulls and limbs. Uh, this is actually now on display. My whole entire life, ever. <laughs> What's for dinner, Danielle? Enough air. Air. Um, so the the pot that he used is on display at the Black Museum at Scotland Yard. Why? If anyone wants to go check that out, I mean, I would probably go, but like why i don't know so the defense's case relied heavily on the testimony of two psychiatrists dr james mckeith and dr patrick galloway or gal gal i don't know fuck it up Uh, it's g-a-l-l-w-e-y so galway yeah Galway. galway okay so dr james mckeith and dr patrick galway you keep saying i want to say i want to say galloway no it's galloway but there's no a fuck it it's galloway now uh Dr. McKeith described Dennis's troubled childhood, inability to express feelings, and his, quote, separation of mental function from physical behavior, and implied that Dennis could not be held criminally responsible. However, um, under intense... No, just like, um, like, yes, he can. Danielle's like, yes, he can. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking did it. Yes, he can. Um, however, under intense cross-examination by the prosecution, he was forced to retract his statement. So I guess they poked holes in his theories a little bit in court. And he was like, okay, fine. The second psychiatrist diagnosed Dennis as suffering from a, quote, false self syndrome characterized by schizophrenic episodes, which would make him incapable of premeditating his attacks. So not necessarily that he wasn't criminally responsible, but perhaps it wasn't like a first degree charge. Um, The prosecution called Dr. Paul Bowden as their expert psychiatrist. He had spent a considerable amount of time with Dennis and disagreed with the diagnosis given by the defense. He stated that Dennis was manipulative with some signs of, quote, mental abnormality, but still responsible for his actions. The jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict, but on November 4th, 1983, the judge agreed to accept a majority verdict, and at 4.25 p.m., they delivered a verdict of guilty on all six counts of murder. Uh, The judge sentenced Dennis Nelson to life in prison without eligibility of parole for at least 25 years. Uh, Nelson died in prison in 2018 at the age of 72 years old. According to BBC, he died in excruciating pain. Um, He had complained about abdominal pains, but refused medical help for two days. Uh, According to reports, he was finally taken for surgery, which led to a blood clot exploding on him. So he bled to death by himself in terrible pain, which is a fate 
suitable for him i think yeah um i'm not complaining so i think that this is a classic tale of man struggling with sexuality coupled with daddy issues that leads to some sort of mental break um as he seemed to be making some efforts to end his killing spree um so i don't think he necessarily wanted to kill but also part of him didn't care all that much i don't know he's like i said he's really weird he didn't seem to like what he was doing but he also didn't seem to have the emotional capacity to like really feel bad about it and also he didn't work hard enough so i don't feel bad at all (laughs) you're a dick (laughs) and now he's dead yeah oh boohoo but yeah nice creepy one that's so fucked up i'm I'm literally i'm so grossed out i'm so fucked up head soup Mm. ew so gross (laughs) And with that, happy Monday, guys. Yeah. I hope you enjoy your week. Don't have any soup. Don't have any soup, but come hang out with us. Yeah. You can come uh, talk to us about these crazy fucking cases. Um, <laughs> we have, yeah, we'll talk about boiled head soup. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour. And you can email in your stories. If you have a crazy boiled head soup case, you can mail- email it in. <laughs> to the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com send us your recipes golly yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i'm done <laughs> stay spooky guys stay spooky <laughs>